someone come back, you might have added it again. Praise God. What do you think, girls? Is that a good idea? Oh, okay. All right. Hey, there you go, boys. You got permission. Praise God. So, wonderful. So, uh, that's that's good. You know, church growth. Uh, it's magnificent. Okay, awesome. Uh, I bring greetings to you today uh, from your holiday church on the Gold Coast, King's Church. And um, for those of you that go holidays on the Gold Coast, just letting you know that you're always welcome at King's uh, on the north side and the south side. And I will be thoroughly offended if I hear that people from Port City have come down to the Gold Coast and not visited King's. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it'll be wonderful to see you. I'll see you in January and that sort of thing uh, when you head down. Praise God. Anyway, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn me the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew, uh, going to be reading Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 5. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 5. Uh, Matthew 5, 5 says this. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I'll read that again. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. If you don't know where it is, it's just after 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that you help us to live free, free to inherit what you have for us. I thank you and praise you for the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. My favourite verse in the Bible is not the same as most people's. Uh, my favourite verse in the Bible is Matthew 5.5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, I think initially when I first read that, I didn't know what it meant. Because uh, when you read the word meek, you kind of think, well, blessed is the doormat, uh, the person that lets everyone else walk all over them. But that's not actually what the word meek means. The word meek actually means strength under control. It actually means, I saw one commentator write, that it means someone who doesn't remove themselves from the dealings of God. So what that means is this, is as you let God deal with issues and things in your life, then the promise for you is that you will inherit the earth. He hasn't just called us to inherit heaven. He's actually called us to inherit the earth. So that's why I like this passage of Scripture, because it tells me if I let God deal with some things in my life, He's going to release more of the earth to me. Uh, and so in some ways, uh, I'm going to do a series at our church later this year. It's going to be called Deal or No Deal. <laughs> Talking about whether we will let God deal with some things in our life so that he can release more of the earth to us. So one of the things that we need to deal with in our life, if we're going to have the victorious Christian life that God has for us, is the issue of fear. Fear. The Bible says in Proverbs that fear of man proves to be a snare. So what that means is this. Fear can stop us from obtaining all that God has for us in our life. As a Christian, you can't be full of fear if you want to obtain all that God has for us. We've actually got to be bold. We've actually got to be people of faith. And actually, fear can actually stop us from inheriting some things that God actually has for us. You know, the Bible talks about the Israelites in the wilderness. The Israelites, are God, when God had delivered them from Egypt, Moses led them out, took them to the wilderness, wasn't supposed to stay there for too long, 
was taking them through the wilderness until they stood on the edge of the promised land. They get to the edge of the promised land and God tells them to go in and start taking the promised land. But they sent 12 spies in. 10 of them came back with a bad report. They said, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. There's no way we can take this promised land. There was two people though, Joshua and Caleb. They said, we can take the promised land. But because the people listened to the ten, the negative report of the 10, they decided not to go in. God was angry with them and said that they were disobedient. So then they decided, oh no, we'll go in anyway. But they went in and they actually lost. And they stayed for 40 years in the wilderness. And they that generation died out in the wilderness over 40 years. They were not supposed to stay there. But fear was the thing that stopped them from inheriting the promises that God, of God had in their life. Make no mistake, fear can stop us from obtaining the things that God has for us, which is why that we actually need to deal with them. I know in my own life, I've had some opportunities that I have missed literally because of fear. Back in 2001, uh, when I was living in Mackay, I was asked to be the Youth Alive coordinator for Mackay um, because I was basically the only ACC church in Mackay. And so, uh, and what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to put on a rally and the rallies are very expensive and so I was just kind of holding off on it. In the meantime, God called me to start a conference at the time uh, under the Youth Alive banner called Extreme Youth Conference, which your youth group goes to now uh, every year. And so we, and so I remember I was starting the conference. It was going to be in August, and it was a big faith step to do it, and financially we were going to be very tight. A couple of months before the conference, I got a phone call from the State Director of Youth Alive, a man by the name of Peter Blas. He rings me up and he says, Ben, I want to help you put on your first Youth Alive rally. I said, no worries. What do I have to do? And he said, well... Um, I've got a speaker coming from America who's going to do the Brisbane rally on the Saturday night. What if we flew him up to you on the Friday afternoon and he did your first rally on the Friday night? And I said, what's his name? And he said, his name's Reggie Dabbs. And I said, never heard of him. And he said, he's the number one high school communicator in America. He's awesome. He's hard to get. And he said, so, but we'll do that for you. And I was, and you know, it was going to still cost quite a few thousand dollars to put on the event. And I said to him, uh, and I said, when do you want to put the event on? And the date that he gave me was three weeks after the conference. And so here I am freaking out about paying for the conference. And now I've got to believe for the finances for a rally. And I said to him, mate, I just can't do it. There's no way. I went away and prayed about it. And God said, go for it. Do it. But I just chickened out. And I said, no, I won't do it. And so I forgot about it and knocked it back. Anyway, when we started the conference, Extreme was the first one we ever did. We needed $1,200 in the offering over two nights to break even. Otherwise, I was going to pay for the difference out of my own pocket. On the first night, I received the offering. It was $360. And I was thinking, this is great. I might get the $900 I need on the second night to break even. On the second night, the guest speaker received the offering, and he received $9,000. And I was like, this is awesome. And then I thought, oh, I could put on the rally now. So I rang up Peter Blas. I said, Pete, is it too late for me to get Reggie? He said, sorry, mate, you can't get him. Every year I was in Mackay, I tried to get Reggie Dabs, And he never came. He ended up coming to Mackay the year after I left. <laughs> I had a window of opportunity that I needed to take advantage of and I didn't because of fear and it never came around again. 
Fear can stop us from stepping into the things that God has for us. We need to be able to deal with it. So how do we deal with fear? That's why I read 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. Because there is an awesome verse that shows us how we can deal, the keys to dealing with fear in our life. Let's read it again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So that doesn't mean you never experience fear. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, that controlling phobia kind of spirit of fear that stops us from moving forward. He hasn't given us that. What's he given us? Power, love, and a sound mind. I want to talk to you today about three keys to dealing with fear, overcoming fear in your life. Number one is this. He says power, power. How does power help us to overcome fear? Well, what the, and the power he's talking about there is the power that we get from God. So that's talking about the power from God. So what that means is when we understand how the power of God works, we won't give in to fear. Because when you, the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now that phrase, by my spirit, I remember thinking, reading it and thinking, that's awesome. That means God will do everything and I don't have to do anything. But that's not actually what it means. That phrase, by my spirit, actually means that when God moves, when you can't go any further. I heard Frank Damasio preach on this and he said it's like an archer, bow and arrow, archery. When an archer's at full strength, that's when the Spirit of God moves. Think about it. How does someone get healed uh, miraculously when you're believing for healing? You actually have to step out, pray for them, and it's like, okay, God, that's it. I can't do any more. And very often that's when God moves. I've never seen God heal someone by us praying in our head. <laughs> it doesn't happen. We have to step out, and that is when God moves. So when you understand that that's when God moves, it's, am it's amazing how you won't give in to fear because very often you have to move, in order for God to move, we have to move beyond our comfort zone. And so often we don't want to do that, and so we shrink back. But if you understand that God will move when I go beyond my comfort zone, then you'll push past the fear, you'll push past your comfort zone, and then you'll see God move. Many years ago when I was at Bible college, God really spoke to me and challenged me to go and do, go and do street preaching in the suburb that I lived in. Now, the suburb that I lived in was in Sydney, Western Sydney, called Chester Hill. And it's like one of the highest Muslim populations in the whole of Australia, in Western Sydney. And God told me to go and do street preaching. And so I was freaking out. And, um, and so I remember I told a mate of mine, and he was actually a street preacher. And, and he and I and a bunch of others used to go to King's Cross and do street preaching as well. And, uh, but that was okay, because that wasn't where I lived, you know. <laughs> and so I told him, he goes, oh, I'll go with you. And so we thought, right, we're going to have a prayer meeting before we go out. And so I was in this prayer meeting, mate, it's the hardest I've ever prayed. I was praying for boldness, and I wanted it to go for hours, this prayer meeting, you know. And after a while, he said to me, he said, listen, we're going to have to actually go out. And I said, okay. So we walked out to Chester Hill to the, you know, right in the heart of it. And, um, and we decided that the best place for us to go street preaching was over out the front of the train station. So we went across at the train station. There's a main road, the intersection's there. And we stood at the train, uh, on the road there at the front of the train station. And I just stood up and I was about to speak. And fear completely gripped me. It was like a little guy got on my shoulder and said, you don't have to do this, mate. You can pull out now. Nobody will be the wiser. 
just step back. Don't do this. This could be dangerous. You're going to look silly. A lot of people are going to look at you. And everything in me is like, I, I, I don't even feel like I can speak. And I thought, if I just open my mouth and say something, if I just do that, maybe God will start moving. And so I just, you might be wondering here today, why, and all of a sudden I started speaking, the power of God hit me and I spoke for an hour. Seriously, the fear just completely left me. And that's where I learned how to move in the Holy Spirit. I was getting words of knowledge for people passing by. I was getting words of knowledge for people in their cars at the traffic lights. I remember one particular lady, I was there and I started, had a word of knowledge for her. I could tell it was for her because she looked at me as soon as I said it, turned around, put her sunglasses on and wound the window up. (laughs) And I learned a valuable lesson that day apart from the fact that I'm never afraid of anyone when I'm preaching, the other thing I learnt was this. God's power will move once you come to the end of yourself. Some of us here, we always stay in our comfort zone and we want God to move at that point. That's generally not how it works. When you understand that God's power will move when you step out, it's at that point. When God spoke to Peter about stepping out and walking on the water, it didn't all of a sudden just go to ice. It didn't become a glacier. It didn't do anything like that. He had to literally step out. And at that moment, that's when the power of God moved and he was able to walk on the water. We can overcome fear when we understand that God has given us power and God's power moves when we're at our limit so many times. The second thing he says is this, that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. So love helps us overcome fear. Why is that? When you get a revelation of how much God loves you, then you will, understand, you will not be in self-protection mode all the time. And you will understand that God loves you and will take care of you. Even in scary situations, when we understand how much God loves us. One of the greatest experiences I ever had in my life was when I got a revelation of God's love. Now, the story I'm about to tell you can get a little bit freaky, but it actually happened. It's a testimony. It's not a theological diatribe, but this is a thing that happened to me over 20 years ago when I was at Bible college. One day, we had a chapel service, and our Bible college principal, a man by the name of Dr. David Cartledge, was there, and he said, I want to show everybody a video today um, for the young people. Um, a video is a cassette, and, uh, and, and it's what us oldies used to watch uh, before DVDs uh, and, and before Netflix. So anyway, and so we had, he wanted to show, he goes, I want to show a video of a revival overseas, and the revival was the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola. Some of you may remember it, and he showed us uh, a video from there. Um, the lights were off, we were watching it on a big screen TV, and then when the video stopped, the lights were still off, but all of a sudden, all through the room, the stu- students were weeping and crying, just weeping. It was like they had a real attitude and spirit of repentance that had come upon them. Me, myself, to be honest, I didn't feel anything. And so I was sitting on my, on my seat, and it was a bench seat. There's a bench seat in front and bench seat behind, and I wanted to get out of my row because it was the end of chapel. But the problem was I couldn't move because the people on either side were bawling their eyes out, and I didn't want to disturb them. So I sat there, and I thought, well, I guess I may as well just start praying. And so I bowed my head and I started praying. And honestly, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before. I was praying things that weren't coming out of my mind. It was coming right out of my heart and my spirit. And it was some of the deepest, uh, it was some of the deepest fears that I had. 
I started praying. I said, Lord, I'm so scared. I'm scared of being at Bible college. I'm scared of going into ministry. I'm scared of getting married. I said, I'm scared of having children. And as I said that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, that's because you've got fear, which is pretty obvious. But then I had a revelation. I realized my whole life was viewed through a shroud of fear. Every decision I made was based on my perception of, of how fearful I was. Even when I was playing football, people would think I was a courageous player playing football. I wasn't really courageous, but it was a fear of failure that was driving me on to do things. And so I, had, I realized everything I did, even the way I played table tennis, I realized was a result of the fact that I was someone who was full of fear. And then this is the crazy bit. God spoke to me and he said, fear came into your life when you were a baby. And then, and he said to me, you were born premature and in a humidity crib for six weeks. Nobody touched you. That's where fear came in. You need to understand something. The circumstances of my birth were not really talked about in my family. The reason why is because I was the reason why my parents got married. And so no one really talked too much about the circumstances of my birth. I spoke to my mum later and she said that was right. She said, you were in a humidity crib for six weeks and nobody was allowed to touch you because that's how they did things back in those days. And God said, that's where fear came into your life. And then the craziest thing happened. God spoke to me and he said, I want you to close your eyes and you'll go back to that crib. And honestly, as clear as anything, I remember I closed my eyes and literally I was transported back in a vision back to that crib. I could see the perspex glass around me. I could see the nurses walking past me in 1970s uniforms. I could even see my little baby body. And then God spoke to me and he said, what do you feel? All of a sudden, waves of fear started enveloping me. It was, it was, it was nauseous. It was sickening. And I just started wailing in that place. I said, Lord, where are my parents? How come nobody's with me? Nobody loves me. You know, before this time, when people would talk about mental anguish and pain, I just thought they were being a little bit soft. I didn't realise how deep those things can be. But after this experience, I realised that deep mental anguish and pain is a very real thing. It can be very debilitating. I could only hold the image for about 10 seconds. And then I opened my eyes and there I was back in that chapel. And I stopped crying. And then God spoke to me, said, close your eyes. I closed my eyes, bang, there I was in that crib. And I could see, and then he said, what do you feel? Same thing, fear, loneliness, rejection was completely enveloping me. I could see how emotionally I then put up walls, walls of pride and all that sort of thing to keep people at bay because I was afraid. And then I started weeping and wailing again. Could only hold the image for about 20 seconds. Then I opened my eyes again and then bang, I was back in the chapel. For about 20 times, this is what happened. God, would, God say, would say to me, close your eyes. I'd close my eyes and then I'm back there. Could only hold the image for about 20 seconds and I'd be wailing and I'd open my eyes and I'd stop crying. I was doing this the whole time. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, ah. <laughs> I remember people said to me later, they said, we didn't know what was going on because the whole time you were crying and then stopping and crying and then stopping. And then finally, one last time, God said to me, close your eyes. I closed my eyes. There I was again. But this time, instead of saying, how do you feel? He said, what do you see? And then I saw with me in the middle of the, in that crib, the presence of God. And God was there comforting me and taking care of me. And he, was say, and he was saying to me, it's okay. He said, your parents will come and get you soon. It's all right. And for the first time right there and then, I felt the love of God. He said, I've never left you or forsaken you. I've been with you from the moment your bones were knitted in your mother's wombs. And I've always been with you. Right at that moment, I felt the love of God. Before that, I never understood God's love. 
I knew God was real. I knew him as the Lord and as the boss. But when people would talk about the love of God, I never really understood what they meant. But for the first time, I felt his love and acceptance. And right at that moment, the fear left. It was gone. I remember after that experience, I went back to my room at my dormitory at college. And I thought, did that just happen? And I opened up the Bible and it opened up to 1 John 4.18. Perfect love casts out all fear. And God was saying to me, that actually happened. You know, just before this, I preached my first sermon at a youth group. And it was horrible. I could hardly talk. I, didn't, I was finding it very difficult to speak. But then after this, two weeks after, I actually went and spoke at a church. And it was like I was speaking exactly as I do now. There was no natural progression to my speaking ability. It just went from hopeless to pretty good, just like that, from the moment God delivered me of that fear. When you get a revelation of God's love, it will drive fear out of you. We're so busy in self-protection mode, always watching our back. But when you realise that God loves you and he'll take care of you, the Bible says a thousand will fall at one side and 10,000 will fall at another, but that won't come near you. He loves you and he'll take care of you and you don't need to be in self-protection mode. And you don't need to have a crazy experience like I had to get that revelation. You can have that here in this place right here right now, that he can give you a revelation of his love. And when you get a revelation of his love, you will no longer be bound by fear anymore. The Bible says he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And the third thing is a sound mind. A sound mind. So many of our fears are irrational. They're phobias. The proverb said that the lazy man doesn't go out in the streets because he's worried he's going to get eaten by a lion. It's rubbish, unless it's in South Africa. It's very real in South Africa. (laughs) But here, that's not going to happen. That's crazy. But so many of our fears are irrational. And God has given us a sound mind that we don't have to give in to those things. You know, one of my sons, and, you know, he's so bold in so many areas. I spoke to him today. He was playing soccer. And I said, how'd you go today, mate? He goes, good. I got kicked two goals and got one yellow card. And... uh, He basically gets a yellow card every week because if someone's trying to intimidate the team, my son will step in, knock him over, fix him up, and then the referee will give him a yellow card. I've never seen this particular son exhibit any type of fear in any area except when it comes to chickens. (laughs) He's he's got a phobia of chickens and bush turkeys. (laughs) Seriously. If a snake slithered across here, he would step down and pick it up. But if there was a turkey in the corner, he'd be running out the door. (laughs) I remember one time I took him to the Ecker and we walked to the poultry section. He wouldn't go in. He dragged my arms and he would not walk in the poultry section. Why? Because there were chickens there. I've tried sitting him down saying, mate, this ain't normal. I said, this isn't right. You should not. This is, this is a phobia. You do not have to put up with this. And this is something that we're trying to talk him through and help him with and try and manage because that is not God's will for his life. God's will for your life is not that you have a phobia. He has not given you a spirit of fear. The Bible says he's given all of us 
power, love, and a sound mind. And you might be here with some kind of phobia. You might be afraid to fly, which is irrational. There's more danger driving your car than there is in hopping in one of those aeroplanes. There we have phobias about things that are limiting us and stopping us from stepping into the things that God has for us. God has not given you that. The Bible says he has given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And tonight what I want to do is this. I want to pray and believe for people to break through from fear. I'm very passionate about this subject because when you've been set free from fear, you never want to go back to it again. And you can see how it limits people's lives as well. There are things that God has for you that you can't do because you're bound up in fear. And God doesn't want you to live that way. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. He wants us, he doesn't want us to be afraid of lions. He wants us to be the lions. He wants us to be full of boldness and of faith. I'm not talking about being silly. There are some natural things that we should be um, afraid of. God doesn't want us to be driving around on the road in the middle of the night at 250 kilometers an hour. That is just silly and that sort of thing. God doesn't want us to go swimming in a creek full of crocodiles. That is just silly. But make no mistake, there are lots of things that hold us back because of our fear. And I'm standing here today as someone who has been set free from that spirit of fear. And I'm here to let you know, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen? And so what I want to do is this. Pretty simple altar call, this one. I want to pray for people who know that they have been held back by their fear. You know in this environment, you can sense, I have some fears that are holding me back. Some of, yous, some, of yous, some of you have had a missed opportunity recently and you regret it now because you know it was because of your fear. How do we break that? Well, one of the keys to breaking that fear is to do something that you don't want to do and make you feel fearful. And so in just a moment, we're going to do the very thing that you don't want to do. But that might be the very thing that you need to do, which is acknowledge it. And come forward and receive prayer. So can I just ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. If you're in this place and you're saying, Ben, that's me. I feel like I've been bound up by fear. Stopping me from moving forward in my life. If that is you right where you are, slip up your hand and say, that's me. That's me today. Fear has been stopping me from moving forward in my life, from stepping into the things that I know God has for me. Awesome. There's many hands there tonight. It's a breakthrough night for you. It's a breakthrough night. Breakthrough night. You can put your hands down. You can open your eyes. So what I'm going to do is bring you out the front and pray for you. So with every eye open and every head up, If you put your hand up there and say, that's me, that's, I've got that fear, I want you to stand on your feet right now and come forward and come out to the front. And I'm going to pray and Pastor James will pray and Pastor Aaron will pray as well, seeing as he's here. And we're going to pray for you and just pray for God to help set you free. Before I pray for you, those of you up the front, just lift your hands. Lift your hands. 
and pray this after me. Dear Lord, I thank you that you haven't given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Give me the boldness I need to step into my destiny and walk by faith into the future that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you up the front will come and pray for you and minister to you. Kate, do you want to come and tinkle on the keys? That would be awesome. And Pastor James and Pastor Aaron, would you come?